0: So far in 2015, we have marked 200 years since the Battle of Waterloo. On the 25th of October, we mark 600 years since the Battle of Agincourt, sharing the same date as that battle as the charge of the Light Brigade during the Crimean War, and we also mark 100 years since the Battle of Gallipoli in 2015. Welcome to the battle marking special of They Don't Make 'em Like They Used to. Hello, good evening. My name is Tosin, and I will be your host through the next hour of battle marking... Well, talking about movies that marked these these famous battles for one reason or another. And with me, as always, are Sean. yeah, And Sharon. Hello. But before we go into any of this, we have a request to play for Gladys Hooper. Now, you might have seen Gladys Hooper in the news because she is Britain's oldest person at the age of 112... And she lives on the island and was recently in the hospital. And through our website, through our Sunshine Radio website, which is what you're listening to at the moment, uh, we had a lady called Carmel who made a request for Gladys. And before we do anything, we want to say, well, get well soon to Gladys, who's just had an operation, and play your request, which is, Veroline, we'll meet again.
1: I was singing this song, we we'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again, some
0: Yes, that's Veriling. We will meet again. We hope we don't meet again in the hospital, Gladys. Just we just hope you have a speedy recovery and hope that your health stays brilliant. But yeah, that was from um, Carmel. A request from Carmel who says wishing you a speedy recovery, Gladys. Good old Vera, eh? Can't <laughs> <laughs> beat a bit. All right. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna head over to uh, well to sharon you're a resident historian how fitting is it that we have vera lynn playing on what is actually like you know uh well a show that's marking well great war battles
2: well i think especially for vera lynn it's really apt for the first film which we're looking at is henry the mm-hmm. for which was made in 1944 and it was part of they wanted to make a film that would like g up the british public would give them this little boost to say you know We've been outnumbered before, we've been in difficult situations before, and you know what? We can beat them against overwhelming odds.
3: Propaganda and, movie, yeah.
2: And so Yeah, very much so. And Vera Lynn was doing the same thing. She was rallying the troops, saying, you know what? You're going far away, but we'll still be here, waiting for you when you come back. It was that boot shot in the arm. So, yeah, perfect choice for for a show that talks about a film made in 1944.
0: Yeah. 44, you imagine. Any, anybody would think we planned it, but no. <laughs> but no, thank you, Carmel. Thank you That's uh, oh, thank you for using the website. And if you would like to make a request for someone who is in the hospital, please do go to our website at www.sunshineradioiow.com and click on the request tab. We hope to hear from you soon. Now, Sharon may already have let the cat out of the bag slightly. <laughs> slightly. slightly. For, for those of you, this is a test to see whether you were listening, to know what the first film that we're going to be talking about today is. Because what we usually do on this show is talk about old films, films made before nineteen eighty, and just talk about how great they were, what they meant to their time. And with this we're gonna be t- in this show we're gonna be talking about films that were made and that mark landmark battles in the history of The world, really. So, the first one we're going to be talking about is a film of the play that contains this famous speech.
4: Once more, unto the breach. Dear friends, once more, or close the wall up with our English dead. In peace. There's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, disguise fair nature with hard-favored rage. Then lend the eye a terrible aspect. Let it pry through the portage of the head like the brass cannon. Let the brow overwhelm it as fearfully as doth a gauded rock, or hang and jutty his confounded base, swilled with a wild and wasteful ocean. Now set the teeth, and stretch the nostril wide. Hold hard the breath, and bend up every spirit to his full height. On, on, you noblest English, whose blood is fed from fathers of war-proof! Fathers that, like so many Alexanders, have in these parts from morn till even fought and sheathed their swords for lack of argument! Dishonor not your mothers! Now attest that those whom you called fathers did beget you. Be copy now to men of grosser blood, and teach them how to war. And you, good yeoman, whose limbs were made in England, show us here the metal of your pasture. Let us swear that you are worth your breeding, which I doubt not, for there is none of you so mean and base that hath not noble luster in your eyes. I see you stand like greyhounds in the slips, training upon the start. The game's afoot, follow your spirit, and upon this charge, cry God for Harry! England and St. George!
0: Yes, yes, yes.
2: That's got your fist punching in the air.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now the erudite amongst you would recognize that that was Laurence Olivier from the 1938 film version of Henry V, or Henry V, if you like. Oh. Now, <clears throat> now, this is Shakespeare. I don't think we've spoken about Shakespeare much on this show before, but he did have a way with words, and Laurence Olivier had a way in delivering them, didn't he?
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah, that- he had that gift of... Interpreting the words and making them so you understand what he's saying which is a gift <laughs> I think for Shakespeare <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I guess it was um, yeah it was this film's really interesting because it actually starts off this Henry V actually starts off in the Globe Theatre doesn't it yes mm-hmm. sort of starts off in the Globe Theatre so as a, as a play would be performed and then
2: yeah then it opens out and so mm. you step into the world of Henry V that's right but yeah it was filmed very much as part of the war effort to sort of boost up morale of this because of by this point obviously britain had been bombed more or less on and off for five years there was heavy rationing there was people were had been aware war well, hadn't been home for years and years and years so people needed that sort of shot in the arm to say you know what the end is in sight and at this point this was released in december of 1944 so we'd had d-day and, but the war was carrying on in Europe, and it was beginning, and it, they're entering another, yet another wartime Christmas. Thinking, when will this ever be over? But this was like saying, you know, do it for, you know, do it for England, do it for Saint Harry, do it for Prince Harry, do it for. St. George.
0: George. Yeah, because and it was it was it, as you said. It's uh, I think Sean mentioned earlier, propaganda film, and it was paid for by the uh, it was paid for a lot by the British government mm. because they wanted something like that.
3: Yeah, they helped out as much as they could. It was actually filmed in um, in Ireland. Yeah, County Wicklow. Yeah, because Ireland was neutral um, neutral during the war. And I know this is going off on a slight tangent, but it was really interesting because when I was in Dublin, Sean, it's what you do. Come on, it's just <laughs> outside of Dublin. There's yeah. a German airman's gra- grave. And if any sort of bombers got damaged, they would try to get to Ireland because being a neutral country yeah, and then wouldn't uh, be yeah. prisoner of war. And so. there's like this little cemetery, which little corner of the cemetery, which is the German Airman's Grave. Yeah, just an interesting <laughs> you know, Oh no, that's a good one. In that's- Ireland, yeah. Also, in I've, Ireland, yeah. I've got,
0: to put, put it, in, I've got yeah. to put that on my list of things to do when I finally <laughs> do actually make it to Dublin. Yeah. It, it's, it's been on my list of things like, go to Dublin, go to Dublin. Yeah, it's uh,
3: just outside Dublin. It's called Powerscourt Gardens, I think, or something. Right. Powers Powerscourt. So, if you look that up. Always worth a, looking into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> no problem, no problem. Because I'm thinking it's it's...
0: Well, first of all, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this is the kind of propaganda that I reckon I can get behind. Because going back to Laurence Olivier and his gift for interpreting Shakespeare, as he said, like that speech, I'm sure that there's many people who might not even be able to tell you what what he means, like word for word. But you get what he's saying. Yeah. You get what he's saying. And you also kind of... as it's, it does make your blood your blood kind of like, you know, begin to rise. I'm like, yes, yes, yes! Let's go do something! We can have them yeah. We can have We can have them. We've done it before. Or, <laughs> which we're is behind what, Harry.
2: Which is what Churchill did, wasn't it? He took his simple premise of some of his speeches and he got people going, come on, bring it on you, hun. And he, he, he did rally people with his words. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare did the same and he just took those scenes and imagined what was said, largely, but it had a way of like going, come on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> that actual first speech, though, Sharon, sure I mean, you could probably say is about half flow isn't it? That's that about the yeah. Of that's her, not yeah. actually Agincourt. But it,
2: it is it? part of the Hundred Years' War, so that is yeah. celebrating the yeah. 600 years of the Hundred yeah. Years' War, so it fits perfectly with yeah. our theme.
3: Oh, with the theme, yeah, yeah. With, with the theme. Of,
2: but
0: yeah. so, so what was the Battle of Agincourt actually about?
2: The, the whole part of the Hundred Years' War, you have to go back another two, the two hundred years or four hundred years before, to the, the Norman Conquest of Britain. Mm-hmm. And what happened then is, when William the Conqueror conquered Britain, he divided, he gave lots of lands to people in Britain, and they also held estates in France. And he became the King of Normandy, and he was the King of Fr- of England. Mm-hmm. And over the different centuries that passed on, bits of France remained under English control. And there was a big um, British presence around Bordeaux, and there's a British presence around Calais, where they were still owned largely by the British Crown, and some areas of France that had historically been English had been taken over by the French. They wanted to have united France, okay. and so King. So they had started encroaching on English territories in France. So. King Henry V got fed up with this, you know, this sort of snub, as it were, and he went over there to take back some of these lands. But he was outnumbered five to one, and the weather turned against him, and everything seemed to be going horribly wrong. And then they had this massive confrontation at Agincourt, and instead of like limping home a defeated army, he basically smashed them to pieces on that day, on that Battle of Agincourt. And it turned that whole. That, for, that, for that year, it turned that whole conflict around. I mean, this was a hundred years' war. And ultimately, we ceded all those lands back to France again. But for that time, it meant that these territories were English for another 50 years or so. Oh,
0: OK, cool. Thank But the
2: old Joan of Arc and all that was all part of the Hundred Years' War. English versus the French.
3: Oh, it actually lasts 116 years, yeah,
2: it? <laughs> <bit longer> and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's longer like
0: It's just, it's um, just yeah. for the marketing. It's better to just a hundred years of war. Yeah, but <laughs> it's
2: all about territorial ownership of different land in France and who was the bigger king. Yeah, I've got it, more than you've got. Seems oh, like seems know.
0: it always seems like it always is. Yeah. But, yeah so and but with the, the thing with this is obviously i think this was probably one of the first times you've seen on screen because obviously you have shakespeare stuff and when it's done and it's done on the stage obviously it's an, it's confined to it's confined to a stage yeah. and a lot of it is in the imagination and a lot of it is just like inventiveness of how you do that because it doesn't matter how big the stage is it's very very hard to to, to stage a massive massive battle and i think um well, and I think sometimes uh, there's sometimes that people don't seem to really seem to know what to do with Shakespeare on screen. Like uh, they they make it, but it's a little bit uh, I don't know. It can know. be hit and
2: miss, can't it?
0: it? It can be hit and miss. It can be kind of like, okay, this is just people standing around talking. Yeah. But I think this film seemed to actually go quite because it's, it's very sort of technicolor, very, very colorful, mm-hmm. and it's very sort of expansive in what it shows you. And it's almost sort of taking Shakespeare and going, right, let's try and make this. A bit real. I yeah. mean, obviously, people's uh, people's because I know there's a talk about the play and whether the play is actually pro-war or anti-war, and um, Shakespeare seems to leave it a bit ambiguous mm. because some of the speeches seem to be all "Yeah, let's go," So some of the speeches are like "Oh my god, this is this this is horrible." Yeah. But it seems to like, uh, and even though this film focused on that, it did seem to sort of go right. Let's show you a little bit of a broader canvas on which to paint Shakespeare.
2: Yeah, which is- and the cost of war as well—that it is costly that 8,000 Frenchmen were killed at uh, um, Agincourt and was it a couple of hundred Britons were killed? I know the odds, but the, the difference was vast between how many Englishmen and... Because there's Welsh and all sorts of other people who fought for England, but, mm-hmm. you know, basically Britons versus the French. The casualties were enormous, relatively yeah, it was, speaking.
3: Yeah, um, I, th- I think the difference was, like, the basically the, the English army was a bit of a ragtag, and there, there weren't, weren't many knights or nobles there. It was mainly, you know, like archers, archers and men-at-arms, men whereas Yeoman. the, French, the yeah. French army was basically the nobles of all all the yeah. sort of French estates, all knights in China armed with the code of chivalry. And um, of course, we were talking about the weather. The weather was really, really bad. And um,
2: like before the Battle of Waterloo we mentioned that earlier there yeah. was dreadful weather before the Battle of Waterloo and we use that to our advantage as, as that's, the
3: that's right and, and what, what happened was he sent the archers to um, sort of shoot at the French so the French decided they were going to do a massive charge and all the horses and everything got bogged down and of course with the following lot keep coming after one another they couldn't stop and they reckon a lot a lot of them were killed by fallen horses and, yeah, and a dra- lot of them like suffocating and the stuff mud. yeah and drowned in the mud and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I'm guessing that that actually the whole
0: idea of uh, oh we weren't even trained and we still beat them <laughs> yeah but that's right kind, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind that, of like that kind that of like of goes of into the goes and, into the sort of British underdog mentality
2: and they do think there's some symbolism in the fact that it's Henry V because of the V sign and they do think the V sign actually I never, I never thought of that. the V sign did actually was one of the things that Churchill used to do and it's what started during the Hundred Years War because when yeah. British um, archers were captured they used to chop off their fingers <laughs> And so, in, in battles there, well, this is the legend, isn't it? That's in great. battles thereafter, they used to wave their two fingers at them, yeah. saying, "Look, like, I can still shoot you, you really? uppity Frenchman." Oh, oh, or oh, so
3: you'd have all these archers with, with, with yeah, making you know. these yeah, making the <laughs> V, making the the backwards V. Come, in, V's come like, and get us! Come on! That's yeah, where these. it comes from. Because yeah. I remember
0: when I first when I first go to England and I saw people doing that, I was like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> and and. Uh, and they realised that, that that that's what they were saying. I, we, the, because I heard the other way, that the Frenchmen used to do it to the English, to the yeomen, the English yeomen, to sort of like taunt them, as in to say, yeah, we're going to get your fingers. Right. Gonna, I wait. guess no one really knows, do they? No, <laughs> we it really
3: started. It, 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 it could have, it could have <laughs> happened could have, either yeah, way. It, yeah. They probably both did it to each other. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 come on then, no, you come here. <laughs> <laughs> they pro- yeah, probably did. But it's, um, so we
0: knowing the context in which this film was made the so obviously it was made and it was very much done as in we're going to focus on the patriotism we're going to focus on the rallying cry we're going to focus on the let's go out there and let's do this yeah. because we can because of the time it was now the film has been um made again i guess you wouldn't really call it a remake because the play existed way before the mm. film did so uh, it's been made again by somebody who you would you would fancy as a modern-day Olivier, at least when it comes to Shakespeare, which is Kenneth Branagh. So he, he, because he seems to be, like the same way Olivier seemed to have this personal quest to bring as much Shakespeare to the screen yeah. as possible before his career was over. And I think Branagh, especially early on in his career, around about the, 90, the 80s and 90s, he just took that on and he was like, we're going to bring as much Shakespeare as possible. And he did a Henry V Henry the as fifth, well. Yes. Have, uh, you
3: ever seen, have you ever seen My Week with Marilyn? Yes, yes, yes with, I've seen that. Where yes. he actually, plays, yeah, he plays Olivia, he yeah. Olivia. Yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Branagh yeah. plays Olivier, and he's Olivia. brilliant, doesn't he? Yeah. He's just like he's him. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's got the absolute... mannerisms. Yeah.
0: Probably. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think Kenneth Branagh had like a, had a massive, massive man crush one on I'm William sure Shakespeare and two on Laurence Olivier. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he just he just loved Laurence Olivier, and I think he's, I think Laurence Olivier had his own bring Shakespeare to the screen, and I think Branagh decided I'm going to take up that mantle and bring more Shakespeare to the screen. But his his Henry V is a lot more focused on the horrors of war and how and how and how like you know, how brutal it is and everything like that. But I guess that can happen years later after the battle's been won, after we've gotten everybody together, after we've done that. Now we can actually start talking about how horrible war is.
2: Yeah, and if you're not living through that, then it had war has a different.
0: Colour connotations, yeah. And,
2: and colour, yeah, connotations. Then if you're living through a war, doesn't it? You want to see that there's an end in sight, that there's victories possible. And that, that, that it's worth it. That it's worth the cost. Mm. Whereas that when you're not in a war, and it, t- it becomes less personal, doesn't it, to mm-hmm. people who are watching and listening. But I think it's worth noting as well, as Kenneth Branagh was inspired to direct his Shakespeare's, Laurence Olivier directed this, Henry V. Yeah, Henry yeah, the fifth.
0: yeah. He directed, he directed it and starred in it. Same thing with Kenneth Branagh. He directed yeah. and starred in his Henry V. The and they're fifth. both, yeah, that... They they play it differently, don't they? They
2: do. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, uh, I think I think I think it's a bit about the context of the time that they were in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Branagh was because of the time that he was making his, in, he was allowed to be a bit more. Okay, let's try and make this as realistic as possible, uh, than than Olivia was, but still. I mean I well, more Shakespeare on screen, especially when it's done like this. Yeah. I, I have I no really, problem with I
2: that. I like yeah, I must admit there aren't many screen well, there's a couple, but there aren't many screen proper Shakespeare's, you know, where they take the play and they film it mm-hmm. that I don't that I don't like generally. A couple of I think Penet Brano's ones you think, that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Because there's one about
3: nothing. I, I liked that. Much to Do. Yeah.
2: But there was one, he set it in Japan, didn't he?
0: Oh, yeah. As you like as it. As you like it, yeah.
2: And that was a bit curious in places. It worked, but then in other ways, you're thinking, okay, that's an interesting take on that. Yeah, I
0: never <laughs> actually saw that one. A friend of mine.
2: And Love's Labour's Lost it was set during... The like the 20s. 20s. And it was a and musical. And it was a musical, yeah. Again, you think... Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but he's experimental, isn't he? He's taking the text and he's saying this is not sacred. We can play around with Shakespeare but, but think, and make it our own. I
0: think that's some sometimes when they do that with Shakespeare, that is sometimes when you get some of the best things. Even on stage. Mm. I know that there was a version of Much Ado About Nothing that was send, set in Cuba during like like it was set in Cuba during like the revolution and all that, and it worked. Yeah. Because the whole idea of people coming back from an army from, from a from a battle and all that kind of stuff, it actually works on it. And you realize that a lot of the things Shakespeare wrote about are just human and are therefore eternal. You can translate them, And they translate from one period to another period. Did you see the latest
3: Macbeth? Have you seen, yes. did you watch that? Oh. No,
2: I haven't seen the latest one. So I'll, no. I'll see Kenneth Branagh's Lance Macbeth, but I haven't, I haven't seen, seen the latest the, the, the Michael, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender one. Um, um, well, it was on at a silly time. Yeah. One week it was on like normal times, and then the week after at Newport. So shame on you, World. It was only on at 12.15 at uh, lunchtime.
0: Hang on, has it gone already?
2: It's gone already. Oh, and I was like, who <laughs> goes to see Macbeth at lunchtime?
3: Yeah. It
2: doesn't work. You've Which, got to be.
3: It, it, it didn't work for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for me, but it did for someone I know who, who enjoyed it. I didn't yeah. enjoy it. My, my, I think my, you like Macbeth, though, don't you? I do like Macbeth. Yeah, but and but I like Lady Macbeth and Lady Macbeth wasn't up to par in this. I didn't. You didn't think. like Alex
2: Kingston as Lady Macbeth, no, either, did you? If no, I remember. No, I didn't. In the Kenneth Branagh. you one. know the one he did in the Manchester Church. He yeah. built the church. Well, they'd renovated this church, made it into a theatre, and they did it. Up and down the length of the the church, and all the the, the audience were in the pews facing sideways. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was an extraordinary setting. But Kenneth Branagh did it. It was they did the cinema, cinema world live, live presentation oh. and things. of it. yeah, Because yeah. Sean and I went to see it. that was about three years ago. Was about
3: three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Really, I
2: thought it was really good. But you my, didn't like Lady Macbeth.
3: No, I didn't. Like, um, she's like one of my major <laughs> yeah. heroines. Well, well No, she says, she's not really a heroine as such. But she, or anti-heroes. She, she, she Heroes. Should, yeah. Okay. Um. But my favorite, just quickly, my favorite. Shakespeare adaptations, Coriolanus. Coriolanus. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, G- that's Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. And Butler Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, and
0: they they, sent, uh, they said they said that one yeah. do the they said that one during the Balkan conflict. Balkan didn't conflict. Yeah, yeah. And did Ralph Fiennes direct that? Yes. Yeah.
2: Again, with these, some of these actors, I think they just have that feel for Shakespeare. Well, yeah,
0: they just they understand. They seem it. to
2: bring it to the screen. Yeah. Really well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Good start. Good start. Henry V. Henry V. Laurence Olivier. That was that was great. Um. Oh, thank you. I think, Sharon, that was your suggestion. Yes,
2: because uh, 600 years anniversary this weekend.
0: Yeah. And as you said, there hasn't been much said about it. It's uh, I guess it's a bit, I know a couple of weeks ago we had a, a gentleman who we interviewed in the hospital and he was saying how he thinks in a couple of years that because all the people who are going to be in the world in World War Two would have died. Then all of a sudden we're not going to be making that much of a deal about it, or we're not going to be no, remembering it, will it.
2: Fade from memory.
0: And you're saying that at the moment there isn't much being said about the Battle of Agincourt, but this year it was all about the Battle of Waterloo yeah. because that's more that's in more recent, yeah, in more recent times. And
2: we've got much more documentary evidence about it. And you've yeah. got it was people recorded their experiences much more yeah. with Agincourt. It's 600 years ago. Yeah, it's. You don't really know it's shrouded yeah. a little yeah. bit in and so the
0: people
3: just in kind midst of go, time yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've shakespeare's got, enough... got a lot to answer for when it comes to <laughs> yeah and most of <laughs> our history. history we remember yeah. it through From his eyes yeah, that... yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, i actually saw this thing online where they, they had someone put up a picture and it had like uh, all the things that we use in english now that that were first introduced by shakespeare and it's crazy the number mm. of things yeah, he came things up things with yeah. that everybody just started using big influence but thank you very much william and now, <laughs> talking about going to the hospital. I was in the hospital earlier today, and we usually go in there every Friday and ask two questions. What was the first one you ever saw in the cinema? Tell us a story about that. And what is your favourite film of all time? So we're taking a little bit of a detour away from from war movies and everything, and I bumped into Sue. Sue Watts, and this is what she had to say when I asked her those questions. Okay, I hang on, hang on, hang on, wait a second.
5: yeah. When I went to the cinema, I was probably five years old, and it was his name yeah. the one with the moustache and the funny walking stick and that mm-hmm. before you touch charlie chapman and i always remember he got in a box and it was full of ants so he had ants in his pants so that's what i remember and i always used to see cowboy films and i used to be f- so frightened i used to hide behind the curtain in the cinema <laughs> so that was my early days my mum used to send me to the cinema every saturday because I only lived up the road from the cinema, so i just walk along myself because it was safe in those days, you know. So that's my early remembrance of the cinema. But
0: was that on the island or was that... <laughs> on the Isle of
5: Wight, yeah. It's, it was the Odeon Cinema, but it, it, I think um, De Bell's had it, but I don't know what it is now because I don't live in Newport, so it was the Odeon Cinema years ago, yeah.
0: And so have you ever watched any Charlie Chaplin films since that time?
5: I've got one, but I haven't watched it. He's a very clever actor. Yeah, but I just remember that where he got into this kind of wooden box and he had ants in his pants. It was full of ants, this box. I don't know what, you know. He used to do his own stunts and it was very clever, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: And so, what's your name?
5: Sue Watts. Uh, Sue Watts. Yeah.
0: Lovely
5: to meet you, Sue. And you?
0: Yes, Sue, hope you're still listening to us. And now Sue requested this song that we play, that we play on this song. And I don't want to read anything into the fact that she said I look dapper. (laughs) (laughs) That she said she looked dapper and then requested this song. But here is the song for Sue. Yes, that was "Let's Get It On" by Marvin
3: Gaye. Very dapper, very dapper, Tozen. Were you were crushed velvet. Like, yeah, all the you time. were. You just suddenly—you should have seen Tozen. He just started, like, pulled this crushed velvet jacket out from out the room with black <laughs> piping and uh, started yeah, black piping.
0: Had, had like the bow tie going and everything yeah, like the that. Ruffled shirt. Yeah, yeah. Swinging dancing, along, yeah, dancing little, to the microphone, spinning moves. away, coming back.
1: <laughs> Let's get it on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was actually me just singing live. But oh <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you know I always wonder, right? I wonder how many people
3: owe their existence on this earth to Marvin Gaye.
2: There's a few out there, I'm sure. <laughs> Is that in any movie,
3: Tozin? You'd probably know. Is that like because you know they have songs in? No, no, movies, no. That, that's been used in so many. Has things. it been used in a lot of movies? Yeah, it's yeah. been used in so many things. It's kind of like you know the first couple
0: of notes of that song. that Wow 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 Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like shorthand yeah. for guy is attracted <laughs> to women yeah. like, no, oh yeah that's where, true where yeah. you just have
3: you have like a shot I remember I remember when I was younger I remember when I was younger saying called Barry White yeah oh, yeah, Barry Barry White. White. Yeah, love, yeah yeah Barry White you love You love baby yeah, yeah
0: it's, so it's, I think it's Marvin Gaye and Barry White so it's yeah, either okay yeah, but it is but with Marvin Gaye that's it. I think Barry White is any Barry White song it's like yeah we got it together any Barry White is like that Marvin Gaye is just kind of like you have the whole thing, guys looking down at a big thing. A woman walks in the room. The guy looks up at the woman and just goes wow 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 wow, and it goes in all in slow motion. The woman is moving her hair around. That I don't I don't even know how many films that song has been used it's in. Probably a few. I should it, it's,
3: it's all over the shop, all over the yeah. shop. But yeah, Charlie Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> yeah, Charlie yeah. Chaplin. I wonder what he'd have made to that. <laughs> I wonder if he <laughs> Well, he was a bit of a
2: ladies' man himself, he? Wasn't was, he? Wasn't So he? I'd yeah. imagine he yeah. would have quite liked that. British-born
3: as well, I think. Yeah, yeah he was born yeah, in London, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, my, I was thinking, my my dad used to tell me stories about his dad. And one of my grandfather's favourite films apparently was a Charlie Chaplin bit. And there's a bit, and I think it's a prospector, where he's so hungry, he puts an old boot on yes, his plate yes. and he gets his knife and fork out. And apparently my grandfather thought that was the funniest thing he had ever seen. And it made him chuckle ever after that scene the fact that someone sat down to eat an old
0: leather boot yeah he's eating his old leather boot yeah remember i remember that scene i think it was one of the first Chaplin things i ever saw yeah Um, and
2: that's what i think of i think my dad telling me about yeah about his dad and chuckling at charlie chaplin for that that sort of that thing
0: yeah But yeah, but you guys, any any other memories of Charlie Chaplin? I mean, Sue, give the thank you, thank you very much
3: for remembering that for us, Sue. Yeah, I mean, the
2: ants in the pants one. I don't think I know that one. No, I don't think I know that I'm one.
3: No, sure that one. Because I, I remember mean, the one one about shoes again. There's one where he's got like the, two, the two shoes rolls. on forks. Oh, two rolls. That's yeah, 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 two yeah. rolls. on He's doing like this and dance. Dancing. Yeah, yeah. Dancing And, and that, that's a classic thing. That talking
0: about Marvin Gaye being using that has just been. The it's imitation, been yeah. and imitated and right. homaged yeah. in so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be- and it's just like the genius of the man. that's something like, hey, two forks with two rolls on forks. How could that be? And he just does something with it yeah, that everybody just.
3: just yeah. yeah, the thing I remember at cha- most Chaplin movies is there's always like some some girl that's down on her luck or being threatened by some mm-hmm. big dude, you know, massive yeah. dude, and he comes in and sort of kicks him up the butt, and then <laughs> the like the turns tramp, around, yeah. yeah, little tramp and. You know, he's, yeah, that's... The underdog. Uh, they used to be, yeah, they yeah. used to be this big guy. I don't know who he was, but he was in a couple of the films, I think. And you get the the shrieky woman that's like... Oh. You're <laughs> cowering, yeah, waiting cowering. to be saved. Yeah, waiting to be saved by this little tramp, bless him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know I've got modern
0: times. Modern, modern times. times. I've got that on, I've got that at home. And uh, the bit that I always remember from that is the bit where they had this huge, massive machine, and he gets sucked into this machine. And essentially, you see the side view from the machine. and yeah. You see all these gears going around, mm. and he's being like fed through yeah. this machine. And you're thinking this was made in the 1930s, and yeah. you're wondering yeah. how did they do that? I mean, he was a bit of a—he was just a bit of a genius when it came to yeah. those sort of things yeah. and special effects and stunts and all that kind of stuff. It was, yeah.
3: And talking about the war, he made the Great Dictator the as well. The Great Dictator, well. yeah, great yeah, dictator. Yes. yeah. Again, so. the
2: ultimate. It's Parody, isn't parody, it? Parody, yeah,
0: yeah. Because uh, yeah, I was good at that, that. That like Chaplin actually, but, but I think it was. It was one of his few films that had sound, yes. mm-hmm. and yeah. I think it was one of spoke. it was one of his yeah. later ones in which you actually heard him speak. Where he, it was essentially like a satire on Hitler, and uh, where he had he played a character called Adenoid Hinkle. Cool. Yeah. That's it, yeah, <laughs> Adenoid Hinkle, and it was all about. And he has this be, real famous speech that he gives, and. Oof. However, the film ends in a very sort of peculiar way. It does, yeah. Yeah, it's very, but, but it's very, so, sort of, but I think that was definitely an anti-war, anti-Nazi kind of thing that
3: definitely. That, that Chaplin made. And Chaplin yeah. did, with Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks Jr., form United Artists. Yeah, yes. they used to go and yeah. do the tours, didn't they?
2: The, yeah. the, like with linking us to our Virilin again. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to tour the, the camps and the troops, yeah. and they would go and entertain the troops during the conflicts, didn't mm-hmm. they?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So United, a lot artists. of the big
2: stars did. Yeah, they used to come over and entertain the different yeah.
3: people. U- United a artists tonic for the troops. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> United Artists, which was became one of the biggest of so, TV studio or movie studios. Movie studios, yeah. Yeah. movie yeah. studios. Until it it fell apart, apparently, because it was, and this is part of the problem, because they it was called United Artists because they wanted it to be about the artists and yep. not so much about the money and not so much about the accountants trying to run everything, but about the artists actually trying to make the art. Yep. Then the problem is that they ran into financial trouble because they didn't have the accountants. <laughs> <laughs> to say you so, can't,
2: yeah, don't do that vanity project. Well, do well, a good film yeah. Yeah,
0: no, the thing is they did a lot of good things. They did a lot of good things, mm. but the thing is I think they just they needed a li- so that's why I think United Artists doesn't actually exist anymore. It doesn't no. exist now. Because no. for ages they were they were the ones who were making the Bond films with MGM.
3: Yeah. So I think yeah. I think the seventies had <laughs> They did, yeah towards the
2: end of quite a few studios yeah there was a lot of
3: studios amalgamated and I mean they all struggled in those days yeah. as I say that's you know we come back to that the 70s yeah. time time of austerity and they had to cut things so quite a yeah. few of the major studios sort of fell I think but it mm. fell by oh, the wayside yeah distributors
0: okay. well Sue Sue thank you so much thank you so much for that I think that's the first time we've had Chaplin on this show
2: and Marvin Gaye
0: and, Marvin, and Gay. Marvin Gaye. Yes, yeah. and Marvin Gaye. First time we've had them both in this show. Although, <laughs> although we, we should be bringing them both back. Yeah. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon we should bring them both back. I'm, I'm pretty sure Marvin Gaye is going to show up in some film before long that we're talking about. There
2: must be like a biopic about him somewhere out like there.
0: Not yet.
2: Because he's had an interesting, tangled life, didn't he? Yeah,
0: he did. He did. So, sure especially always... his death. Yes, and <laughs> so, it's
2: like... yes, and all that that last period of his life with his dad and all sorts, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you think yeah, there's a there's a film in there.
0: Well, I, I reckon that they might come round to it because I mean, especially when it comes to sort of black performers, the biopics of them have been, have been few and far in between, but they're getting more frequent mm. because you had Tina Turner, and then after a while, after a while, you had the Ray Charles biopic Ray. Yeah. Then you had the James
3: Brown one, which I love. I love the James Bond <laughs> right happened. Yeah. I like it where he goes into that room. I think it's towards the start of the film with the shotgun. And you just yeah. <coughs> <laughs> Shoots the roof off. Yeah, he's trying, just like, he's trying to figure out who used his toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's he's it. He's like, who
0: used my <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I, I think Get On Up. I get love On Up, yeah, it's a yeah, good movie. I that. love that film. So, yeah, it's... um Yeah, so... Marvin Gaye, I think that they might have been trying to make it for a while. It's usually rights issues and people. Yes, and the family
2: mm. who'd think, no, we don't want this aired. We want yeah, it to be his uh, legacy to be his music, not his.
0: Yeah. Or, or no, or the family saying, we don't want to find out, we don't want people to hear what we actually did. <laughs> <laughs> there's, always, there's always those issues that hold things up. Um, but yeah, um, great. Moving on with the show, moving on with the show, back into marking the films that marked war battles. So Sean, you chose this film that we're going to talk about next. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, or or tell us what film it is?
3: Um, Okay, well, it's the Charger Light Brigade. I'd like to talk about both of them, actually, the 36 and the 68 one. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, Charger Light Brigade. It's funny, with this, although this isn't in an 05 year or or ends in a 5, a lot of of battles, if you think about it, like we say in Agincourt, Battle of Trafalgar, 1805, Waterloo, 1815. There's a lot of 5s in battles, Mm. but this one... I just think because there it took place...
2: in it. It's 1854.
3: <laughs> 1854. I was, so yeah, mean... There's a it. A... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you, yeah. yeah, yeah you thank saying, you, But you're saying
0: that it has the same date as the Battle of
3: Agincourt. Yeah, yeah. 25th of October, yeah. Battle of Agincourt, and... The Battle 20... of Balaclava. The Battle of Balaclava with the Charge of the Light Brigade. Famous, famous poem, well, by Tennyson, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, okay.
0: Actually, actually, before we go on, let's kick off because the the whole charge of the Light Brigade thing, the films and stuff, they seem to kick off from this poem Time. by Alfred, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Alfred Lord Tennyson. So let's listen to the poem that kicked everything off. Well
6: done. The Charge of the Light Brigade. Half a league, half a league, half a league onward, all in the valley of death rode the six hundred. Forward the light brigade, charge for the guns, he said. Into the valley of death, rode the six hundred. Forward the light brigade! Was there a man dismayed? Not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. Theirs not to make reply. Theirs not to reason why. Theirs but to do and die. Into the valley of death, rode the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them. Cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them, volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, boldly they rode, and well, into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell, rode the six hundred. Flashed all their sabres bare, flashed as they turned in air, sabring the gunners there, charging an army while all the world wondered. Plunged in the battery smoke, right through the line they broke. Cossack and Russian reeled from the sabre stroke, shattered and sundered. Then they rode back, but not, not the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon behind them volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, while horse and hero fell, they that had fought so well came through the jaws of death. back. From the mouth of hell, all that was left of them, left of six hundred. When can their glory fade, oh the wild charge they made, all the world wondered. Honour the charge they made, honour the light brigade, noble six hundred.
0: yes so that is the charge of the library Brigade by alfred lord Tennyson, which as you said got turned into well at least two films
3: yeah at least two films yeah okay uh, i'm gonna talk real quick because i haven't got a lot of time and i could talk for the for whole show on this but yeah we we'll talk first of all about the errol flynn movie lots of poetic license nothing yeah. um nothing at all <laughs> what to do i mean he's a major he starts off in east india and there's this this khan bloke that that massacred loads of people and then it shifts to Russia, and he just happens to be there. He's there, you know, the, um, with the Russians. This this Khan guy. Mm-hmm. He's there with the Russians, so uh, it's, it's it's ideal that he's going to get his revenge. But in this film, there are a lot of horses. They used to have this called the running W with the horses when they charged. Yeah. Um, it used to pull their forelegs away, so it'd like be a, a, a wire, and all the horses would be on different lengths of wire, which were wrapped around their forelegs. And when they reached the, of course, when they come to the end of the wire, the, their legs used to be pulled from under them, so all the people would fall over. So there was lots of there was lots of controversy because lots of horses got killed in in the actual film because of this running W. And I'm gonna probably sound a bit. There's a a famous quote, and there's a book by David Niven called Bring On the Empty Horses. Yeah. And basically, the director Michael Curtis. He, that's what he said he wanted riderless horses and he called them empty horses and he says okay bring bring on the empty horses what so, was David Niven in the film David Niven was he was in, in the, yeah.
2: the thirty six yeah. one yeah Yeah.
3: Okay. In, in, in the early because he was good friends with Errol Flynn yeah and and he wrote this book um, Bring on the Empty Horses which which he mentions about this this film you know about Michael Kurtz directing it anyway that's the Errol Flynn one we'll come on to the, the later one which is just I think it's absolutely excellent it shows the Really, we're talking about the futility of war and the stupidness yeah. of of war and some great actors in this cast.
2: Yeah, Trevor Howard.
3: Yep, and you, you've got loads of names like Bill Cardigan, Hilbert. Raglan, yeah. um, Balakalava, the Battle of Balakalava, lots of things named after this. Um, and it's just uh, like Raglan and Cardigan and they're arguing. and Because all the officers used to buy their commissions so there was no one since waterloo this this had been like the first major conflict since waterloo yeah and all the officers used to have to buy their commissions i mean wellington bought his commission as well he was just really really a good general but uh Obviously, these guys weren't. So the, so they're not necessarily trained as... No, they as, weren't trained at all. They, they, were just, yeah, they, 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 just, they just bought their title. Well, they else. would
2: join the army as an ensign or something, a junior rank. And then after a certain amount of time, you could then buy the next rank above you. So you could buy, you could progress through the army um, just by buying your commission each time. But this, but this marked the end of that system hey, there. T- t- it went t- through Parliament t- 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 and yeah, the yeah, system.
0: Th- that sounds like a system that's just doomed to. Yeah, it worked during disaster. the
2: Pen- Peninsula War, because. but then we'd been at war for 20 odd years against the French during the Peninsula So, in some ways, it did work because. It brought in people like Wellington, but in the Crimean War, where we hadn't been at war for a long time, you suddenly had these amateur soldiers who'd bought their commissions
0: and making and making massive making decisions. massive
2: mistakes and basing their decisions on history. They like saying, "Well, this is how they did it in previous wars." They the, all their military training was through books and through mm-hmm. through training. It wasn't through practicality, which is what happened in the okay. other wars. Okay, cool. So Just right, a right now, time. Sean, note. Back to you.
3: <laughs> okay, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, carry on. That's great. But anyway, so this film, yeah. It starts off with. It's all very, very patriotic, isn't it? And there's. The titles. There's some titles. There's some animated titles, which I, I yeah, made yeah. You, the sh- other sh- day. you should have us yeah. the other day. I mean, the titles yeah. were amazing. They are, aren't so they? Really? Is that the thirty-eight or is that the later one? No, that's the later one. Okay.
2: Nineteen sixty-eight. Nineteen sixty-eight one, happen. and it's all like.
3: I'm, I mean, those animated sequences are absolutely fantastic, man. I think that they're fantastic, and the thing
0: is, I mean, obviously, the way that they're the way that they're done, they're done from a very British perspective. Yeah, indeed, they and are. They, yep. they're probably a little bit xenophobic or racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they're probably, but but from a very British perspective, saying, you know, Oh, look at us, we're the big lion, and Russia is this horrible bear, and Turkey is a turkey. <laughs> a <little> tiny <laughs> and and the I think French, what's really funny,
2: French is like a cockroach. The French is like a tiny cockerel <laughs> yes. that's hiding behind the lion. <laughs> and so, and so, and so yeah, it, a lot it's, of noise, but like really like a yeah. weak can be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's just like a
0: weak little cockerel that you would never put that in a cockfight or anything. Just this tiny little horrible thing. <laughs> but I mean the, they but I think the titles are amazing. Are. And in their own way, they tell they very, very succinctly tell you what this conflict was about. Yeah, It was a conflict that I pretty much knew nothing about. And then just by watching this opening titles of the film, I was like, oh, okay, I see. So Russia goes over to Turkey and then
3: the French and then the English and then the English come. I'm like, oh my word. That's right, they didn't want they didn't want um, Russians to have the Bosphorus, did no, they? No, the Which Bosphorus and the Dardanelles. Pra- they didn't want them to get there. we be coming on to something about that later. But um, yeah, so this, anyway, um, it goes off as they're on parade and there's it's quite spectacular i think and then you've got the officers arguing and they're camped for the night or oh, put the tents closer together the other officer comes along and says those tents are too close together put them further apart and it's just like stu- the stupidness really you know pettiness and uh, but the actual charge is quite fabulous i think but they well, the, actually, the, way, the way they filmed it yeah the way they yeah. filmed it and and i think in fact they they Charge the wrong guns because there's a scene in it where um, the captain rides up and he's sort of saying, "No, no, you're not supposed going to be down doing the wrong valley. Yeah, you're yeah. going down the wrong valley. What are you doing? You're supposed to charge the guns this side because they sh- charge straight for guns, straight ahead. Yeah, you know. And I mean, instead of just... going
2: like behind the guns and attacking the the gunners, <laughs> yeah, they right. actually because went straight into the barrels. Because, like, because
0: no. that's the thing. I mean, you know, the charge of the light brigade. The that phrase in itself has become quite well known and it's become quite well quite celebrated and without knowing much about it like well like I didn't you'd hear that and think oh wow it must have been like this real great patriotic. Um, historical triumph in the, but when you actually look into it like what was being said in the Tennyson poem it was essentially 600 people being sent to their death yeah, yeah
2: they were they should have been sent to take the guns out instead they ran straight at them as opposed to going behind them and
0: yeah. disabling
2: so, uh, those guns they just did the worst thing you could possibly do and
0: horse and man going towards a gun you know that and that's yeah. and it all leads back to generals who didn't have a clue what they were doing
2: yeah and yeah. this like the and at the end there's a very telling scene towards the end after the charge you see the the what's left of the regiment is in pieces. The brigade—they're like limping yeah. in. They're bloody and they're wounded, and the horses are dying around them. And they're saying, "He—it g- was you. You gave yeah, me the fault. order. Yeah, they, you." And they always—no, what... where did you get the order from? It's from you. No, it wasn't. It was from him. Oh, he and he says it was a blame game, wasn't it? And yeah. they all blamed each other. No one of them was saying, "What have we done?" It was yeah. like, "What have you done?"
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's very telling. But that's—I
3: remember. I remember he, my dad saying as well. He goes. Yeah, because his birthday's the twenty fifth of October. He goes. Everybody talks about the charge of light brigade, but on the same day there was the charge of the heavy brigade as well. And so I don't know what that was, but they obviously completed their mission. Yeah. So yeah, but. Uh,
2: but in many ways, I think of it as like mirrors what we how we think of Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. It was effectively a defeat, and the charge light brigade was a disaster. But through the poem. And through the way legend works, it's taken something that was absolutely horrific and an utter humiliation, and they somehow and made it's, it it's into something, something noble. Yeah, it's yeah. like look at those yeah half a league half. You're like with them, aren't you? You're pounding away, and like those noble men, those remember the 600.
1: Yeah, and well, we
2: do the same thing about Dunkirk. We were kicked out of France at Dunkirk. We yeah. lost at Dunkirk, but we've turned it into this amazing victory. Yeah, yeah. So we lost, so but you didn't kill us. You, you didn't, didn't kill all of lose us. We didn't propaganda <laughs> war. That's oh, but right. And we're still here exactly. to fight again.
3: As I say, in our history, it's fun, really funny in our history, there's not a lot about Joan of Arc until now. It was never really, yeah. you know, because back to the we Hundred Years her. War. <laughs> yeah, we burnt her. So that doesn't come in. And, you know, it's... Oh, I forgot, I lost my train of thought then. I had an idea. But anyway.
0: No, 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 no. never no, no, it's, it's, it's... I'm actually enjoying this. And the only thing that, the thing about that is that I realize. just listening to that poem, that I've heard snippets of that before. Mm. I've heard snippets of that poem before, but I—I mean, I've heard Ch- *Child of the Library*. I didn't mm. know where it was. The thing that there's a piece of music that's named after it, and um, but, and the weirdest thing is that the place I'd heard that poem before was on the TV show *The Fresh Prince of Bel Air* with Will Smith. Wow. In the yeah, because you know they have an English butler. They have an English yes. bat butler, and there's this bit where he's—he's he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be masquerading as a poet, but he's supposed to sound like you know, an American beat poet, and he keeps so breaking and going into cannon to the right of them, <laughs> cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them, volleys and thunder. <laughs>
3: that a brilliant guys. That's a brilliant
0: impression. and when I heard that, I was like, "What?
2: Oh my word! This way it comes from." This is from yeah. This way it comes oh, from. Oh, and I've just remembered a little tiny thing that was written on the Isle of Wight.
3: Yep, yep. Yeah. Tennyson, Tennyson, he was
2: walking across the Downs Lowe when Tennyson, he was... Tenison,
3: Isle of Wight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he wrote it here. Big connection
0: there.
3: We are good at this. <laughs> we are good <laughs> at connections, indeed. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say now. Yeah, yeah right. it was about um, how, how they put a spin on thing and all these these disasters are, are turned into something. It was the same in um, South Africa with uh, Rourke drift Oh, yeah. That was... Yeah, that was with the Zulus, that, yeah. Yeah, and the actual... Islandwana during the time the Victorian era was never even mentioned. You know that was sort of brushed away from from history it was an awful because, of, because it was an awful defeat for us. So that's not mentioned. But look at what we did! Walks, at Walk's drift, drift yeah. you know, which
2: was just an incidental thing, had no impact on the course of the war. At that's all. right, exactly. But we go, come on,
3: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Start
2: singing yeah. Men of Harlot in that
3: Which never happened, I'm sure.
0: No. Yeah, yeah, I remember, because we spoke about Zoom. on our first, we, first ever know. show. We did, we did, yeah. Show, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had a bit of a racist rant. But- yeah. <laughs> no, no. <I> just- <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Um, cool, thanks a lot for that, Sean. As you said, we're running out of time. And now we come into the section of the show, which we term the exception to the rule. We talk about a new film that has been made. Um, well, by new, we mean p- post-1980, that we say this is still a really, really good film, and we should go watch it. So, um, Sean, what film are we talking about? Uh, it's The Water Diviner. All right, yeah. cool. So the Water Diviner, and as we said in the intro of the show, this is all. Uh, well, we're talking about Gallipoli because that's a hundred years ago this year, and there was. I know earlier in the year there was. That's why the film was released. It was released to mark because it seems to be a thing. Like at the anniversary of these mm. wars, release films that sort of like coincide with them to remind people about them, and if we're being a bit cynical, make some money.
3: But but yeah, the Water Diviner. So what what was this about? Oh, this is this is a great film. This is about um. Um, an Aussie guy that decides he's going to try and find his sons uh, that, that were over in Gallipoli so I mean I saw this with you Sharon didn't yeah, I? and not um, yeah. I we saw it together didn't yeah, we yeah, it did. was one we did yeah. Yeah, yeah and we both really really enjoyed this movie um and, and Sharon, I don't know if you've got some things to say. about Well,
2: yeah, I was thinking it does tie in quite neatly with our other film today because it was starred and directed by Russell Crowe. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh come, come on,
3: these people have their big
0: heads. <laughs> so Brannagh, Olivier, Crowe. Who do you think you are?
2: Yeah, and I think it t- it's taken something he's passionate about because one of his early films was about Anzacs and about the whole Austra- the cost of the, the the war in Australia and New Zealand. Mm. And so obviously it's a big thing in in, in New Zealand, Australia because they have Gallipoli Day every year. Yeah, if they remember yeah. it.
0: Yeah, that's why I got with while it was going on. That it seemed to be like a very, very big deal for the Australasia for Australasia, yes. and much bigger than it is over here.
2: Well, I think it's always been a- marked on the Isle of Wight because there is what's called 1915 corner up at Mount Joy Cemetery because of the Isle of Wight men who were killed at Gallipoli, because there, there's quite a number that we lost quite a number there. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's actually four silhouette soldiers have appeared in Newport, and if you've noticed, opposite the cinema building da- uh, over the other side of the river, yeah. you can see the four silhouettes of the First World War soldiers. That's because four men who lived in Orchard Street were killed in, at Gallipoli. There were two brothers, Brothers, no three brothers and a brother-in-law all
0: oh, right. Wow. from the
2: same family were all killed on the same de- within the same two days yeah and they are all from or- Orchard Street which is where my grandparents lived <laughs> yeah. at the during the first world war anyway it's about as choni said it's about a father from Australia who goes to Turkey to find out what's happened to his three missing sons mm. which obviously ties in with our oh. history yep, exactly and while he's there he meets the commander of the turkish army yeah. who says you know we can't find your son there's thousands were killed at gallipoli And they're saying, well, we should try to help this guy because he's the only father who's actually come looking for his sons. And so he actually meets the commander of the Turkish forces who was commanding the battery that they believe killed his sons. They believe all his sons were killed. And so that's how the story goes on, how he meets Turks who fought in the campaign as well as the Allies who are now trying to recover the bodies of the deceased.
0: Cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah that's it, it, it's quite interesting from that side of it as well i really like that idea yeah that it isn't just about yeah, the allies it's, it's about the turks as well it's about the turks as well actually actually shows both sides doesn't yeah, it, it does. really yeah, yeah. and uh, the
2: battles are seen from both sides you see like the turkish dugouts and you also see the australians and the british charging up those beaches mm. into gunfire again like yeah. the the light brigade yeah. they are charged into gunfire into artillery
0: well, yeah, because I mean, I think it's it's what you were saying about the Turks about showing on the Turks as well because it is a weird thing that all a lot of these battles happen in other countries but a lot of the films don't focus on the countries that they're no. being fought in at no. all. They they either focus on like um, like it's like even when you come to like you come more more modern you talk about something like Black Hawk Down. Black
3: Hawk Down, yeah,
0: which is focused all about the Americans who were there, yeah. not about the country in which they were fighting and why they in Somalia. <laughs> so <Yep. it's> like, <laughs> you've no
2: idea why they're there, do you? Yeah, you, you have
0: point? no idea why why are they in this country, what's going on, why are they there, and what what why what's this fight going on about? So
3: I, I think it's good when you recognise the other side as well. I think yeah. there's that Mel Gibson one, We were soldiers, and I mean even in that they, they show the, the Vietnamese, it, don't yeah. they? You know, saying that they were soldiers too and
2: Mel Gibson starred in a film called Gallipoli, Gallipoli. which was in about
3: nineteen
2: eighty one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's again it's that, it's in the Australian
3: it's psyche. It's in the Australian psyche, psyche, yeah. But,
2: but I like this film as well for many aspects of it. Again, it's mm. like a balance. It's looking at the the cost of the battle in terms of the family loss, uh, the cost of it, and like mental health, mm-hmm. the, the the cost of war when you would survive wars, the impact on the civilian populace in Turkey, the families of the Turkish soldiers, and the Turkish officers themselves. Yeah. It was, I thought, it just really spread it around. It but was, yeah. at the heart of it is this story about a father's love for his sons.
3: That's it's, it's, it's really good, isn't yeah, it? We, we, it is. Yeah, as I say, we really, really enjoyed this movie.
0: So it really does seem that to make a good film, well, about a good good film to mark a war anniversary, get some guy who cares about it to write and you know, to direct and star in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is
2: a, a passion play in that regard, isn't it? That this is something he feels strongly about and he wants to do justice to the theme mm. and to all those I you know those people who who are all dead now. There's no one alive now who who was there, who were yeah. there. So we owe it to them in some ways to tell their story truthfully. I think. Yeah. And he's. Di- I think obviously. Russell Crowe's tried to do that by saying, you know, I want to honour the people who fought on both sides as well as,
0: yeah, you
3: know, the fact because he's really persistent the in the film, isn't he? Because they say, oh no, yeah. you can't go to the, you can't, can't go, go to the, the, the battle site. Yeah. You're not allowed to go there, and he gets. Because they're still off. recovering
2: bodies, and they, yeah, they're yeah. like, you know, you can't go there. You can't see your son's been dug up, and we're still trying to find out where all these regiments were. Mm.
3: So he um, pays pays a little fisherman to take him over. <laughs> so yeah. they drop him off, and, and
2: yeah, it's quite, I, was, I was quite moved by yeah. it. I was moved yeah. by the film yeah, as yeah. well because we saw all the other films like quite uplifting. It's like, come on, you can hammer it to the French, you can hammer it to the Ruskies and this was one that's like, actually, this is a really thoughtful approach, mm. and it made it was yeah. a moving approach yeah. to warfare. So it wasn't about rallying the troops; it was about reconciling us to our past, which oh, yeah. was good.
0: Well, that, that, that's that's really good. It makes me actually think I should go watch the film now. But it's, <laughs> but it's, it, it's uh, uh I, I think I quite like seeing it when, because Gallipoli is something you hear the name, but I never knew, it was one of those things, again, I never knew what it was about. And for me, I was actually quite happy to see something being made and a spotlight being shown on something that it seems, it, it's, because it seems like there's certain there's certain topics or certain wars, certain conflicts that have become fashionable.
2: Yeah, well, the anniversary of the First World War's made that very much. A, yeah, yeah, and a I, popular topic, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and, and I'm happy to see stuff that says, okay, look, this might not be fashionable, but let's not forget it. And yeah. and I think that was the thing about it. Okay, so now we have um we have a song that we're going to play from the Water Diviner soundtrack called "Love Was My Alibi" by a guy called Chris Fogelmark. It's yeah. It's an
3: interesting name.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting <laughs> name. Actually, I I quite like this song. I only heard it for the first time earlier today, but I think it's a good one. But here it is, Lowers My Alibi. That is Love Was My Alibi by Chris Fogelmark. Quite a good song. and um, But I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today for the, well, the show that marks the anniversaries of films that mark the anniversary of, <laughs> of, of, um, of, of battles that have changed the course of human history. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It was great. But anyway, we're out of time. So once again, we want to say thank you to everybody. Thank you, Sue, for your suggestions and for listening in. Listen to your doctors. Get well soon. And remember that as ever, Sharon, they They don't don't make make them like like they used to.